Let us pray together. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we thank you, Lord, for your goodness. We thank you for the pieces of this Advent story that we get to be reminded of today um, and that you uh, reveal to us through the season of Advent. And we pray, God, uh, once again, um, as is our prayer often here, Lord, that you would meet us where we are at and reveal your peace to us this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. So Advent is upon us. Uh, week two, uh, this week is always about peace. Peace. Last week we talked about hope and how we see Jesus as the hoped-for coming Messiah 2,000 years ago. Last week we also talked about how, too, we experience Jesus as the hope of the world today. This is an ongoing reality for us as Christians, as the body of Christ. And we experience that hope through hearing and receiving and proclaiming the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. That is what God made us for, created us for. That's what he entrusted to his people, his church. So we experience hope through doing that. And we also harbor a hope deep within our hearts for the second coming of Jesus Christ, where all of the things that are messed up and broken in this world will have an end. And the goodness and the truth and the holy uh, world that God is creating for us is going to be what still stands at the end. And we also talked about how we experience hope. Hope can be experienced because Jesus can be experienced, and we'll find that to be true today, talking about peace. So, a little bit about peace as I was reflecting on this. Um, I was thinking about the first time I did a silent retreat. How many of you have ever intentionally done a silent retreat? Like five or six of you. So, this might be speaking gibberish to you, but you might feel anxious as I tell you this story. Uh, a silent retreat is a time where you intentionally uh, unplug and you go to a quiet place. Sometimes people might do that for a day. Uh, sometimes they might do it for longer. This is something more common maybe in the monastic communities uh, that still exist to this day. Uh, there's a value in removing yourself from the noise and the normal uh, and able to set, a, set your site apart for a season, for a time, right? And so as I was in seminary, there was this requirement that each year we would do a 48-hour silent retreat. Now, maybe you've not done a silent retreat. How many of you have ever unplugged for 48 hours intentionally? Maybe two people in this room, right? We have a growing curve here. We have a learning curve as we get into this. Um, so I went to Okoboji Lutheran Bible Camp for my silent retreat. This was the first time I did it. Uh, surrounded by lake cabins in the off-season. So very much a quiet place. It was kind of a dreary spring. And I had this big building, it was like a 20-room building, and I was the only one in it. I had one room, I had access to the living room and the kitchen, so I brought groceries to cook, and I pretty much planned on 48 hours with my Bible, I think I had a book with me, and I wasn't supposed to have anything else other than my toiletries and my bedding and stuff like that. And so, now, have you ever had cabin fever? Have you ever been stir-crazy? How many of you would say, a few hours home alone in the quiet, you would get stir-crazy? Raise your hand if that's you. you. You like to be around people. Now, I don't necessarily need to be around people all the time, but this was kind of getting ridiculous, right? So about 40, 24 hours in, so halfway through, I remember calling Allison, and I, and I remember being like, man, this is ridiculous. What is the point of this? I just feel lonely. I just feel disconnected. I feel cut off. Um, Ultimately, I made it through. I did cheat, and I listened to some music. Music's important to me, so I cheated, and I listened to music. I will confess that to you. And I did have a couple more chats of some encouragement from Allison to get me through. 
Uh, but I learned something about myself through this season, and then as I had to repeat this for a few more years in seminary, I learned that while I'm in normal life, I long for the stillness and the quiet and the silence. I long for it. How many of you each day when you just get overwhelmed want the quiet? You can raise your hand for that. See, a lot of you want that, just like me. A lot of you parents of young children raise your hands as well, I notice. So I long for that. But at the same time, I pack my days full of screens and full of sounds and full of meetings and full of shows and games and busy work. I recognize the deep desire that I have to experience peace and be in a peaceful place while I also work against that desire at every turn. Uh, Because sometimes that stillness or that quiet is actually more scary than the noise, right? For whatever reason, for whatever we're feeling or processing or we have going on in our minds, a lot of times it's just easier to keep the facade going. Have you ever felt that way? Do you long for a cabin in the woods or a private island or just a quiet place nobody knows about that you can kind of go be? I think that speaks to our desire to experience the peace of the Lord, that the scriptures call the peace that passes all understanding. If you're anything like me, we need a constant reminder of that peace in our lives, and not just reminders, but encouragement to actually go work towards that peace, to look for it, to structure our lives in a way that we can experience those moments that really are set apart, maybe not for 48 hours, but even for 10 minutes to experience the peace of the Lord and remember what he has done and promised for us. So talking about peace, what is peace this week? This conversation is going to be a little bit similar to the week where we talked about the peace that passes all understanding in our Max Lucado study earlier this fall. Uh, But it's good to hear these things often. Uh, So we talked at length about this. Peace was the freedom from disturbance and tranquility. Now, you can be in a tranquil place and not experience peace. You can be free from disturbance and not feel tranquil, right? But ideally, we want both of these things to happen, and we want those to happen in a godly, holy context for our lives. Our lack of peace in this world, as we talked about a couple of months ago, is often due to the presence of fear and anxiety, which works against the peace that God is trying to provide for his people. And as Max Lucado said, if you remember this quote, the presence of anxiety is unavoidable, but the prison of it is optional. Meaning that we are going to have fears and we are going to encounter things that unsettle us and upheave us in our lives, but we don't have to be in prison or owned by or shackled to those things that cause us to experience fear and anxiety. And so in that series and in here today, Jesus reminds us in his word that we have another way to live We have another way to thrive and have abundant life in Jesus Christ. And this Advent season, I want us to experience peace. And I believe wholeheartedly that this day and every day, the Lord wants us to experience his peace. But this is not peace as the world gives it. And so let's look at the John 14 passage we just heard. Jesus is speaking to his disciples, his followers, And he says that his peace is different. So let's go through this passage briefly. Uh, This is 14, starting with verse 23. Jesus replied, Anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. My Father will love them, and we will come to them and make our home with them. Anyone who does not love me will not obey my teaching. These words you hear are not my own. They belong to the Father who sent me. 
So just that little part there, we didn't see the word peace, but don't zone out because it's still important. There is a link between loving Jesus and obeying Jesus. Our love for God is to compel us to obey God. Our love for Jesus should compel us to obey Jesus and his teachings and to live according to the life that he has provided for us through his death and resurrection. Our love should compel us to obey. Now, too often times, I think, we profess that love, but then we don't set our hearts and our minds on the track to obey. We don't tend to the working it out part in our daily lives. And we often avoid, we, we avoid obeying in a few different ways. I think a lot of this is subconsciously, but here's a few ways that we avoid obeying. We avoid obeying by obe avoiding God's word. We don't study it, we don't learn it, and we think, hey, if I don't know it, then I don't have to obey it, right? Or sometimes we avoid the hard verses or the hard conversations that we have trying to wrestle and discern what the scriptures are teaching. Sometimes we avoid it through trying to exempt ourselves from Jesus' teachings and say they must not apply to me because of this, this, and this. And sometimes we avoid it by trying to explain them away in modern terms and say that, well, Jesus didn't really mean that, and he probably would have said it like this today. And we do all of this. We avoid the obey part. Again, I'm not saying we're setting out every morning and saying, I'm not going to obey Jesus. Right? I think it just kind of happens. I think we don't tend to it, and it kind of happens. Uh, we do all of that, and we wonder why we don't have peace. If Jesus, who authored us and creates us and speaks us into being, if Jesus, who knows us and loves us and died for our sins and proclaims good things for us, if we don't get to know him and his teachings, why wouldn't we have peace? How could we have peace without him? It's really just kind of silly. <laughs> we want peace, we pray for it, we ask for it, and we don't do the very things that Jesus teaches us to do to experience it. And, and I'm, I'm not just preaching to you, I'm preaching to me. I'm part of this equation, right? I'm, pro, I'm part of this symptom. But, but there's a better way Jesus is talking about here in the Gospel of John. There's a better way, there's a better life. And then Jesus talks next about his peace, which again is not detached from the part of obeying. It's not detached from the part of loving, Right? Verse 25, all this I have spoken while still with you, says Jesus, but the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. So Jesus says that the Father will send the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, to remind us of everything that he said and to teach us all things. And Jesus also says that he leaves his peace with them and with us. And those two thoughts are not separate. Those are the same thought. Those are the same thought progression. Our experience of peace, just like our experience of hope that we talked about last week, is directly and unavoidably linked to the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives. God is not just promising the peace. He is giving us the Holy Spirit who is the peace. Jesus is the Prince of Peace, so his Spirit is the Spirit of Peace, and so his presence is the presence of peace. 
And this peace is not as the world gives it. What does that mean? This is not a well-wish. This is not a season's greetings. This is not a break from fighting or of conflict. This is not a piece of tape to try and bind up the massive voids and the schisms and the tears in the world today. Jesus' peace is different because it is him. It is him. He is the peace. His presence is the presence of peace. And sometimes his presence, that peace, sometimes it's going to lead us to our knees in repentance, and other times it will allow us to feel an absolute contentment in the wonders and the promises of God, no matter what's going on around us. The peace that the world gives, the definition that the world gives, it is fleeting, it is incomplete, and oftentimes it is just evil masquerading as goodness. But the peace that Jesus gives is divine, it is perfect, it is holy, and it is reconciling as it brings us closer to the one who loves us and created us. And it brings us deeper into faith and into God's love. So last week we talked about the rearview mirror. We look back and then we also look forward. Uh, so looking back, what is this peace that Israel was longing for in the time of Jesus? Uh, Isaiah 52 spoke to this, and I'm going to touch on a piece of that here quick. Isaiah 52, verse 5. And now what do I have here, declares the Lord? For my people have been taken away for nothing, and those who rule them mock, declares the Lord. And all day long my name is constantly blasphemed. Therefore my people will know my name. Therefore in that day they will know that it is I who foretold it. Yes, it is I. These two verses paint a picture of what they were experiencing in that season. What they were experiencing in the history of the world and of Israel. Uh, this paints a picture of Israel's state during the prophet Isaiah's time. Remember four, five, six hundred years before the birth of Jesus. But it also is the same state they were in in the rule of the Roman Empire at the birth of Jesus. Israel had no country of their own. They had no home that was theirs. Uh, their faith was being mocked by the pagan Roman mythological god system that Rome prophesied or, or proclaimed. Uh, and God here promises his people, he promises that his people will surely know his name. They will still know his name even in the midst of this. So fast forward to Jesus' time from when this was prophesied hundreds of years before. They're still in a season with no country. They're still in a season where their faith is mocked or downplayed, where if they lived it out, they're actually putting themselves at odds with the Roman Empire. But they have this promise that God still knows them and that they know him. So verse 7, how beautiful on the mountains, how beautiful on the mountains are the feet of those who bring good news who proclaim peace, who bring good tidings, who proclaim salvation, who say to Zion, your God reigns. Listen, your watchmen lift up their voices. Together they shout for joy. When the Lord returns to Zion, they will see it with their own eyes. Burst into songs of joy together, you ruins of Jerusalem. For the Lord has comforted his people. He has redeemed Jerusalem. The Lord will lay bare his holy arm in the sight of all nations, and all the ends of the earth will see the salvation of our God. This is the promise that Israel was clinging to as they waited the coming of the Savior, of the Messiah. 
And so the coming Messiah would be one of peace. How beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news, proclaim peace, bring good tidings, and who proclaim salvation. Now, the Messiah was going to do this and bring this salvation to Zion, returning to Zion, redeeming Jerusalem and comforting his people. And then in their minds, this would make Jerusalem the holy light that would shine to all the nations as it once had been, thinking of King David or King Solomon's time. Israel's idea about the Messiah certainly included peace and restorative salvation to Israel's former power and glory as a country, as a kingdom. But God's plan turned out to be a little bit different, didn't it? Or a lot bit different. Because the Messiah came, and although some believed, many religious people, many of these people that thought they knew what they were looking for, they rejected him. They spat on him, they nailed him to a cross. God's way was higher than their understanding. God's way of bringing peace was not military conquest. And it wasn't restoration to a ruined city of brick and mortar. Rather, it was atonement for sins. It was forgiveness. It was a door open to everlasting life through Jesus Christ. That's how God chose to bring peace through the Messiah. And perhaps we'll see Jerusalem restored someday in the new heaven and the new earth, as Revelation alludes to. But for now, we see that Jesus came to do something quite different. How does that influence us today? What is the peace that we are longing for? Other than the quiet time, I get that. What is the peace that we're longing for? It can be experienced today, and just like with the hope we discussed last week, Today, we experience this peace oftentimes in part. We get little glimpses of it in many ways because of the turmoil of the world around us, because of the warring that continues around us and in us. Many times in us, as our own sinful nature and our desire to live in faith, they are at odds with one another, so we struggle to experience the peace. And I said we can experience it in part but we can also experience this peace in full. And here's what I mean by that. Um, Jesus doesn't just give you a little bit of himself, right? Uh, there's this song that I love uh, that is kind of this song written to the Lord, speaking truths about God. And, and one of the lines that it repeats often in the song, it says, you don't give your love in pieces. God isn't giving you a little bit of his love and you a little bit and you a little different slice of his love. He's not giving you a little bit of peace and you a little bit and you a little bit and me a little bit less because I didn't deserve it. That's not how God is doing this. That's not how God works. God gives you his all. His all, just as Jesus gave it all on the cross for you and for me today. And yes, because the Holy Spirit is active and present in all who follow Jesus as Lord and Savior, right? we too can experience a full measure of the peace of God, a full measure of the peace of the Lord who proclaims his gospel to us and who then empowers us to live accordingly. And as much as we can experience peace today, we also embrace the hope that it will be experienced eternally. So just because we might feel a little bit of peace doesn't mean all of Jesus isn't available to us. Just because we get a glimpse here and a glimpse there and a few minutes there doesn't mean that the Holy Spirit cannot do more. doesn't mean that the Holy Spirit does not want to do more, because he does. 
And on those days where it's harder to experience that, we keep our hope. Because we know that peace is coming. As sin and death, war and famine, hatred and malice is all going to be put down once and for all when Jesus returns. And once again, in the same way that we experience hope looking back and looking forward, we experience the hope for peace today. Knowing that Jesus is with us right now, but he's also promised to return. And so our season of Advent is one that's going to go on until Jesus returns. And then we'll get to see the pure peace of God fully and finally reign for all of God's people. My prayer for you today is simple. Uh, I want you to experience that peace. I don't know what sort of things in your own life prevent that or prohibit that, and I'm not here to call those out. But man, what if we just took a moment together and we asked the Lord to experience his peace? For some of you, coming here on a Sunday morning is one of the ways that you do that, and I, and I thank the Lord for that. But the peace of God is available outside of the walls too. So let's take a few minutes and let's, let's pray together that we might together experience the peace of the Lord. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you um, once again for this testimony of Israel, of their wait, of their longing for the Messiah to come. Lord, we also thank you that you chose not to bring peace in the way they were looking for it, that your scope was so much bigger, that your scope was eternity, that your scope, Lord, was not just creating a culture of peace in the world, but bringing peace to our hearts. Through Jesus Christ, knowing that our sin is paid for and forgiven, knowing that there is grace, and knowing, God, that when you save us, you don't leave us there. There is more hope for us with each day of our lives to experience in Jesus Christ, and there is more peace for us to experience each day with Jesus Christ in our lives. And so we simply and humbly ask you, Lord, today, may we experience your peace. Maybe now, maybe in 10 minutes, maybe when we leave, Lord, uh, we believe that the Holy Spirit is here, and so we believe, Lord, that your peace is here. May we experience your peace. May we cast all of our anxieties and fears onto you. May we trust you with our deepest and heaviest burdens. And Lord, may we turn our face and receive the light that you shine on us through your Son, Jesus Christ. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.